Como puede seguir en su Biblia en español, 2 Corintios 9, 1 a 12. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year. And your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers, so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you, to go on ahead to you, and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Awesome. It's great to be with you guys and, and sing these songs and, and coming. Uh, we remember and for us, we know that he has come and is coming again. And that's probably why we're looking at uh, this Advent series called God Gave, where we're looking at how uh, the generosity of God changes how then we live as Christians. So as you look at these generous Christians here that Paul is addressing, talks about in this letter to Corinthians, and how that God's generosity changes then how we live in our lives and changes us to be more generous ourselves. There's a story that I like that goes like this. this um, our natural tendency when we think about maybe our own wallets or our own money is to put it off until we feel maybe ready to give or we feel our hearts really bring us to want to give. And such thinking might keep us from ever giving. A preacher came to uh, see a farmer and he asked him, so if you had $200, would you give $100 of it to the Lord? The farmer said, I would. If you had two cows, would you give one of them to the Lord? Sure. If you had two pigs now, would you give one of them to the Lord? The farmer said, no, nah, wait, wait, wait. 
That isn't fair. You know that I have two pigs. <laughs> no, no one. <laughs> Giving should not be, should not only be regular, but it should be responsive to need, spontaneous, like that of the Macedonians, or Mary of Bethany, who anointed Jesus so lavish and poured out her resources on him. We think about um, when we approach giving, Paul right here is talking about them for them to be ready to do so, ready to give, because God was ready to give to us, ready to give to us in Christ. Je Jesus talks about um, this also, about this being, this readiness to give, this willingness to our heart that comes out so much more than just our finances, but a generous spirit. He talks about in Luke 12, someone in the crowd says to him, teacher, teacher, tell my brother here to divide the inheritance with me. But instead of getting caught up in a um, squabble about an inheritance, Jesus says this to him. He says, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do now? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he thought, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So one who is not generous toward God, Jesus says. Some sobering words for us, but they get at this idea of being Generous, this generosity that comes because we've encountered a generous God who's changed us. Let's look at what this text has to say. We're going to look at just two points about how these amazing biblical principles that um, Paul here addresses at this certain situation um, that enables us to be ready to give, to be ready to give. First thing is generosity benefits from friendly competition. Generosity benefits from friendly competition. We see this in verses 1 through 5. Paul says in verse 1, he says, Now it's superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry of, for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia, that is Greece, has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. Again, there's, there's a reminder that the church in Corinth the Greek Christians, they approached Paul a year ago and they said, hey, we want to give to this fund. Some of you haven't been here. Uh, we want to give to this fund to the poor Christians, the believers in Israel, in Palestine, all right, in Judea. They want to give to this fund that Paul has been collecting for from churches to give to them. There had been a famine historically um, in throughout the Roman world, and it really hit hard the people in Judea. And so the people there who 
birthed the church plant, the church planting movement of Christianity, who birthed Christianity, right, came out of Jerusalem, came out of Judea, and they sent out missionaries, right, to the Greeks, to everywhere, right, in the known, much of the known world at that time. And so, all right, they, they're putting together money for that. So he's talking about that, that they had approached them about that. And then the people of Macedonia had also had this severe test of affliction. They were really poor. There had been this famine. They had really been going through hard times, and yet they were ones who said, hey, we want to give. We want to give generously to them, to bless them. So he's saying uh, to write to you about the ministry of the saints, for I know your readiness. I know you're ready. You really want to give. You had talked about wanting to give a year ago to me. And I, he boasted about them to the people of Macedonia. They're, they're pumped. They're excited to give. They're, in verse 2, he's been boasting about them, honoring them to the Macedonian church. Paul says elsewhere, and Scripture says elsewhere, all right, honor those who deserve to be honored. So he's boasting about them in a godly way to them. And this Macedonian church heard that the Greek church here in Corinth has already been ready to give the fund since last year. So they're like, all right, let's do it. So there's some friendly competition going on. So like, all right, hey, they're already ready. The Greeks are already ready. The Macedonians are like, hey, yeah, we should be ready too. Let's give. All right, does that make sense? That's what's the dynamic that's going on. And they're encouraged and challenged to give to this church. He says, verse 3, But I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I have already said you would be. So that you could be ready, as I already said you would be. So he's sending this delegation. We talked about this last week in the passage we read, the end of chapter 8. This delegation of three men, including Titus, so that the gift will be ready when he comes, so that he can prepare it. All right, people, you don't have, you can't just go to an ATM and pull out money from your bank account. It was a little different in, you know, the 50s AD, all right, in the, the Roman world, all right? So... You had, it took time. You had to save it up. You had to put it away. You had to, you had access to it. Verse four, otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. All right, so he's already talked them up. He's already talked up the Corinthian Christians. And then, all right, what if some Macedonians come with us, this delegation of three guys to, to help get things ready and collect um, the offering? So he's like, all right, they're going to be put to shame, right? We're going to be embarrassed because we said we, you were ready. You, you approached us a year ago. And also, you're going to be put to shame. You know, it's an, um, about, oh, man, oh, we didn't get ready. We said we wanted to give, but we're not ready now, okay? They didn't have everything in order. They didn't have a GoFundMe account that they could just go pull it up for. It was different back then. So that's what's going on. It's an agrarian culture. 85% of their income goes to their daily food. 85% of someone's income, the average person's income. So it would be humiliating for both parties. So again, there's maybe also some friendly competition going on. All right? The, Ma the Macedonians, they're already ready. They had gotten ready and were excited to give because you were. That's a little bit what's going on. So Paul encourages them to, to be ready for the gift when they come for it. So my prayer is for all people's church that we would give generously. We would be giving regularly. My prayer for me, that we would be give disciplined in a way, but also spontaneous. When we hear about a need, we'd say, oh, I want to give to that. 
We give wisely, though, too, wisely and lavishly. Verse 5, so I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift. Again, we've already talked about why that would be helpful. For the gift that you've promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as a, an exaction. So if they show up and they're not ready, you know, and you can't just go fill it up, pull it out of your bank account, you've got to go door to door to the families in the church and say, oh yeah, remember that gift you were going to give? Oh yeah! Oh, let me go get it ready. It's under my mattress. You know, it's going to feel like an exaction, maybe. It's going to feel like the pressure is on, you know? If Fernando comes to me and he says, oh, hey, remember that birthday present we got for Michael? Like, can you give me the $20 for that, you know? Oh, the pressure is going to be on. I'm like, oh, yeah, I need that, you know? I'm going to feel like it's under compulsion, under exaction, even though, man, I love Michael. I want to give the gift, right? <laughs> Just to use an, an analogy there. So it's going to feel like that. And Paul doesn't want them to feel like it's an exaction, it's compulsion, there's pressure, because right, God loves a cheerful giver. That's not what he's getting out at all. So maybe, here's an application point for us, maybe there's some kind of godly, friendly competition that you can have with your friends here in this church, or your friends at home, or your family, this Christmas season, as you look to give away. Maybe it could be, um, hey, you know, Let's, let's try to give, I don't, I don't know. No, all right, hey, what if I give this amount and you give this amount too to match it to this fund, whatever. You know, maybe it's for, we have, we're doing this donation for the International Mission Board next week, you know. Maybe it's to some other ministry like Compassion International, Heart Cry Ministries, whatever it is, to have some friendly competition of, hey, how can we bless other people in our lives? How can we give to those who are needy? You can be creative on this. The main point Paul is making here, because generosity benefits from friendly competition, we should be ready to give generously. All right, his second point here. Let's look at this. Generosity is about sowing and reaping. Generosity is about sowing and reaping. We see this in verse 6 through 12. The, the point is this, Paul says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So he has lots of just great gospel principles that come through in this passage here. Uh, it's really rich. And here's a principle right here that for some of you maybe who are familiar with it, that has been hijacked by the health and wealth prosperity gospel, sowing and reaping. But we see here, if taken rightly, it's a biblical principle. We see it throughout the Bible. Galatians 6-7 says this. It says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. That goes to anything in our life, not just financial giving, but to any kind of living. As we um, do righteous deeds, we're going to see a reward from heaven. Certainly an eternal reward, right? Uh, Proverbs says some similar things too. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay for his deed. This is, uh, I talked about this a week or two ago, but uh, this is why, partly why, all right, I'm a, I'm a Christian hedonist, that I believe that as we um, obey God, 
that we then have the most joy and peace in our life, right? Jesus said that I came to give you life, life abundantly. We live to, so that we can bless and serve others, to be generous with God. And why wouldn't that God then bless us, look to bless us? Um, in the latter part of the 17th century, a German preacher, August Frank, founded an orphanage to care for the homeless children of Halle. One day when Frank desperately needed funds to carry on his work, a destitute Christian widow came to his door begging for a ducat, a gold coin. Because of his financial situation, he politely but regretfully told her that he couldn't help her. Disheartened, the woman began to weep. Moved by her tears, Frank asked her to wait while he went to his room to pray. After seeking God's guidance, he felt that the Holy Spirit wanted him to change his mind. So trusting the Lord to meet his own needs, he gave her the money. Two mornings later, he received a letter of thanks from the widow. And she explained, she wrote to him, that because of his generosity, she's asked the Lord to just bless, just shower down blessings in the orphanage with gifts. Just provide for them whatever they need. Give them the blessings. And that same day, as he received the letter, Frank received 12 ducats from a wealthy lady, 12 of them, and a friend in Sweden. He thought he had been amply rewarded for his um, generosity to the widow, informed the orphanage, but was soon informed, though, that the orphanage received 500 gold pieces from the estate of Prince Lodwick von Wurttemberg. 500. When he heard this, Frank wept in gratitude sacrificially providing for the needs of this widow, he had been enriched, not impoverished. And so we want to give wisely, we want to give wisely, but we also want to give generously to the Lord too. I noticed, I noticed two things from, from this story, that, that the man was moved, the man was moved, and he, also he went to prayer, he went to prayer. We're not called to give to everything, and that's certainly not what I want to encourage for for us, for us, especially when it's a difficult thing when we are global Christians now and we hear about the poverty and injustice and things in the world and so many great causes and needs everywhere. We can't be a part of giving to them, to all of them, you know? But God loves this cheerful giver. Verse 7, we read about this. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart to give, not in reluctance or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Again, this is the same, saying the same thing. It, and also, this doesn't mean the reverse, as some Christians or people have taken it too, of like uh, an excuse not to give. Uh, oh, I'm not, I'm not cheerful about it. I don't want to give, so forget it. I won't. <laughs> but what it's saying is God's love, his generosity changes us, and we're willing to give. Again, we got to remember the principles that we talked about in the first week as well, that it's in proportion to what we have. It's in proportion to what we have. God is blessed by that. He sees that. And it's also in accordance with this, that we do it re not reluctantly. Here, he quotes Psalm 112, verses 8, 8 through 9. Really interesting. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency... In all things, 
at all times you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. So he's talking about partly a, a godly contentment we have with whatever we're given, whether it's an abundance, whether it's a severity, whether it's not that much. And he talks about, here, when I first read it, and I read it before, it sounds like he's talking about God. As it is written, he has distributed freely, has given gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. But he's actually talking about a righteous believer. Look at me. This is interesting principles right here that we find in a Psalm 112. I'm going to read that if you want to turn in your Bibles or your phones to, to that as well. Um, let's look at this. It says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with a man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice, for the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. So, what this is not saying is it's not saying that every Christian is going to be rich. That is far from the truth. <laughs> but it's talking about the blessedness of a person who is righteous and what it looks like in different ways, principally. It talks about how even in darkness, a light dawns for them. All right, That might not be, it's not, that's not talking about um, financial light. He is gracious, he is merciful, he's righteous. You know, God's light and blessing is on him or her. It goes well with the person who deals generously and lends. Again, this is just a good gospel principle. Who conducts his affairs with justice. God's going to bless this person because of their righteousness, because they're caring for what he cares about. He cares for the needy, for the poor. And even when there's bad news, even when things go wrong for her, it says that he, they're not afraid of bad news. They're not afraid when bad things happen. He said, no, God is working all things to their good. He's distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. In good times and bad times, this person is, has character. They're generous. In good times and bad times, they're steadfast. They're full of faith. They're resilient. They have a resilient generosity. And Paul also says how he talked about in an another place in the Bible, actually in the Philippians, who are from Macedonia, right, that he mentions here. He talks about how I learned to be content in all things. When I didn't have a lot, when he couldn't give a lot, when he had much, when he had an abundance. Uh, my friend, uh, or I had a uh, professor um, back at Wheaton um, and you probably never had him. Maybe Jerry Root was around back for maybe the first year. Yeah, another legend anyway at the college. But uh, 
Jerry Root uh, talks about a time when he, he went to a friend's house and it, uh, he was a, a wealthy man and he sh was showing him his uh, antique collection. He had a really prized antique collection. And he's showing him some different things and he's showing him this uh, really ornate, expensive revolver. It's ornate revolver. And he's, he, looks, he looks at, oh, wow, this is, this is nice. Wow, he's showing it. He's taking a lot of, the man takes a lot of pride in it. And Jerry is like, oh, wow, this is, this is super cool, okay? And you can tell the man, his wheels are turning as he's, he's looking at his, his friend Jerry. He says, you know what? Yeah, you, you can have it. You can have it. You can have it, yeah. Jerry's like, what? No, no, that's not what I meant. I just meant it was nice. But Jerry was so struck by this that years later, he's telling his classes this story. Now, this man, though he so prized this, he was just willing right there to be generous, to just give it to him. All right, hey. He worked really hard for this. He prized this. That's what the generosity that we can flow out from us. When we see needs, it can happen spontaneously. We're moved to it. God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for, the bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So he's saying God is sovereign over all. He gives and he provides. Right? He gives to the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, right? The the flowers, he causes it to bloom. Jesus reminds right people. He's like, why are you anxious? Why are you so fearful? All the, all the pagans, all the Gentiles, all the non-Christians, man, they go around and they're working so hard. They don't take a Sabbath. They got to work to, to provide for them. They think it's up to just them. But he says, man, look at these beautiful flowers. Look at these lilies. Man, Solomon, who was the wealthiest man alive, he wasn't dressed as well as these. He says, oh, look at these birds, right? Are they worried about where their next meal is going to come from? No. God provides for them. He's like, how much more does God love you guys? Does he love us? He's going to provide for you. Now, it's not saying don't work hard. Don't be wise. But he's saying you have a God who is sovereign over all, who provides. That's what I think he's saying right here, too. All right? He has bread for people, bread for food, seed to the sower, right? This is an agrarian culture, right? You had to have seed in order to have a crop. He's going to multiply it. He's going to increase. Again, there's a principle of reaping and sowing, that even if it's not financial, it's eternal what we are doing. Jesus says, right? He says, provide purses for yourselves, in heaven, where no moth or rust destroy. God has blessed us to be a blessing, brothers and sisters. He says, you will be enriched, verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us produce thanksgiving to God. So God blesses us. And it's not, it's spiritually. It's in different ways as well. It's relationally. And he blesses us in all these different ways to be a blessing as well to others. It's a promise for those, for us to be generous, that God multiplies what we have. He multiplies our giving so that we might reap a harvest of righteousness. And if we know, if we think about 
many of us will think, ah, I'm not even in a great financial situation, you know? And that's maybe a lot of us in this room. But we think about, too, about, it's, again, it's in proportion to what we have. It's in proportion to what we have. And we also think how, historically, how wealthy we, we are to be living as an American in 2022. That poverty in the U.S. versus the two-thirds world is not in comparison. Poverty in the two-thirds world compared to American poverty. Or how in comparison wealthy we are if we just live in America and you've had a college education. The median income worldwide, I was trying to look this up because I was curious. I had heard some old numbers, but, but the amount that's dead right in the middle in the world between the least and the highest amounts that people earn is 850 US dollars a year. That's the median that the average person in the whole world earns in, right in the middle a year, 850 US dollars equivalent. People who have incomes of 41,000 US dollars are in the top 3% of the richest in the world. Top 3% of the richest in the world. So that's just, just helping us think about about how blessed we really are, right, in this life. And he said, let the, our blessing, and blessed, how they've been blessed spiritually, how they've been blessed with whatever they do have, produce thanksgiving to God and his graciousness toward us. Verse 12, for those who are giving generously are not only providing and blessing God's people, but their giving is an act of praise and gratefulness to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, the believers it's talking about, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So it's an encouragement for us. My prayer for us is so that we can be ready to give. That you guys would think about, as Chelsea and I are going to think about this week, of, all right, for the, uh, we have this special offering coming up um, next week, and then on January 11th, too, that goes... 100% of that goes to the field, International Mission Board working among the overseas, um, among the unreached. Uh, it's just a wonderful thing to be a part of that our, our church is doing and our other church plants and churches in our network are doing. Um, so be prayed up, be ready for that. It's an amazing opportunity. Paul's point he's making with all this is because generosity is about sowing and reaping that we should be ready, like the Macedonian Christians, like the Corinthian Christians, to give. And we have, it, it helps us to examine our own hearts to perhaps, as some of us can think about that, oh man, I just, I just don't well off enough, you know? And again, it's in proportion to what we have, that we have been blessed spiritually, financially, relationally, because God has been rich toward us to be rich toward others. The gospel asks us, why should we be ready to give generously? Because God was ready to give. This is in the last chapter. Paul says this, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. This is the generosity of God in Christmas. God gave. God gave his own son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There was a young Scottish pastor. He, he pastored just from 1835 
1843. His name was Robert Murray McShane, and he addressed his uh, congregation with uh, similar things when he was talking about generosity. He said, now, dear Christians, now some of you pray night and day to be branches of the true vine. That's probably none of us here, but some of his church was praying night and day to be branches of the true vine. You pray to be made all over in the image of Christ. If so, you must be like him also in giving. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. He says, all right, you have objections, three objections. Here's objection one. He says, my money is my own. That's maybe for some of us Americans how we think. You know, maybe we think, oh, here's another sermon. Here's a sermon on generosity. Objection one, my, my money is my own. He says, answer, Christ might have said, my blood is my own. My life is my own. Then where would we have been? Objection two, the poor are undeserving. Answer, Christ might have said, they are wicked rebels. All I lay down my life for these. I will give, I will give to the good angels instead. But no, he left the 99 and came after the lost. He gave his blood for us, for the undeserving. Objection three says, the poor may abuse it. Answer, Christ might have said the same. Christ might have said the same. They, with far greater truth, Christ knew that thousands would trample his blood under their feet, that most would despise it, that many would make it an excuse for sinning more. Yet he gave his own blood. Oh, my dear Christians, if you would be like Christ, give much, give often, give freely to the vile and the poor, the thankless and the undeserving. Christ is glorious and happy, and so will you be. It is not your money I want, but it's your happiness, he says. Remember his own word, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's go to God in prayer.